0: Good is Rugby League everybody It's footy and frothies. we're here again to review Round 6 of the NRL uh, A glorious round of Rugby League Football, um, despite it being one That uh, apparently nearly did the gump in for the Week, um, by about Saturday Afternoon I think he was t- tapped out But we'll get to his gripe in a second uh, usual, heck, usual Crew is on deck uh, Gumpy, Barney and Ollie Barney, how are you travelling after Easter? Yeah
1: good mate, just trying to get over it all Having a um a three-year-old sugar addict running around for two days solid has been pretty interesting. <laughs> but yep. no, it's all good, mate. <laughs> good time to catch up with the family and yeah you know, the spirit of the holiday. It's been a good couple of days off and they're back to the grind. So
0: Gumpy, you still enjoying holiday time?
2: Oh yeah. No holidays is great. I um trained my um young rep team today for the first time. Had a training run with them today. Very skillful bunch of young boys and um very keen to listen and so looking forward to them playing in about seven weeks in their state titles this year up in parks so um yeah we trained this afternoon and really good um nrl yeah i had nearly tapped out a few things that irritated me over the weekend but um while we're talking about easter i know ollie had a lot of easter predictions last week and the the miracle did occur which was, um, what well, I think why rugby league's great for you at the moment, Daggy. But um, there's definitely a different maybe, tone in his voice, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, maybe a, a day late for. No one's proper, cleaned the gutters the this week. No one's like, been on the uh, roof.
0: The gutters are dirty this week. No,
2: arising, arising from the, the ashes, so to speak. And it's yeah. Easter Monday, but I'm glad you're feeling good about it all, Daggy. And um, hopefully it continues. But as a Tigers supporter, you know that that could change very in quickly
0: five days' time. Mm. And uh, Oliver from Rugby League, in my opinion, uh, what's going on?
3: Yeah, I was a little uh, surprised uh, reading my morning paper, the Western Weekender on the front. It says, man comes down from roof after six weeks, and I had a picture of you on the front, Daxter. So I was was glad about that. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm looking forward um, to watching the Titans play this week, but I'm sure there are good teams out there that will play some entertaining games of football and – Yeah, I thought the last week was all right, but before we get started now, I'd never usually bring up um, clothing choices on air, but I just can't help. Barnabas, I love the design of your hat. Now, can you please tell me where you got it so I can go and get one and possibly all the listeners who are listening can also go and get one?
1: Absolutely. Rugbyleaguemerch.com. com. whole heap of range of products there with this logo on there. Nice one. The boy's working with Scotty from Rugby League Merch to come up with that one, so...
0: We are filthy sluts for cash, so go and buy some hats. (laughs) Uh, If you need anything else done, let us know as well, we'll do whatever. Uh, Sometimes even gutters. Um, Some news, let's get into the news. Does anyone want to talk about footy, any other general discussion points before we get into this? No, not really. Good. Uh, Injury news, very quickly. Connor Watson out for another month, apparently. Uh, Good for him, What's he played one game this year. He's having a rough shot, Connor since being back at the Chooks. Uh, Braden Burns, eight weeks at Souths. Hamlin Ueli looks like three months Barney, which is unfortunate. And I reckon Dale Finucane, only about a week. Um, we'll see how he gets through his HIA from the weekend. Yeah,
1: short turnaround. They didn't want to name him. Um, yeah. Ueli should be a big loss. He's been actually the best form of his career. So
0: um, We'll get to the, the team news in the next segment, but um, a bit of shuffling the decks there. Uh, no way, Graham yet, so I guess that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, judiciary news: Everyone just got fined for all the naughty stuff they did this week. <laughs> uh, for better or worse, they don't want to talk about any of the judiciary action, or who
2: cares? Uh, not judiciary, but some of the refereeing stuff. We'll get to.
0: <laughs> do you want to? Um, do you want to talk about refereeing now, or you just say it game by game? I just did have a quick look. No, you go first, You go. I want
2: to bring up the slapping incident or the the push-to-the-face incident in the uh, Penrith and Brisbane game and players going to the sin bin for a (laughs) push-to-the-face. Look, I know that we want our game to look good, but really, what was Dylan Edwards supposed to do there? Like, if they're going to send the Brisbane bloke for 10 minutes, okay, maybe... But what's Dylan Edwards supposed to do if the guys pushed him in the head? Is Dylan Edwards supposed to stand there like a a cat and just accept the fact that that's happened to him or push him back in terms of like, I just think that some of these things, we're getting into very dangerous ground. Like some of these head knocks and, and some of the penalties that are given for contact to the head, and I know contact to the head now is contact to the head and it's a penalty, but some of the ones in the games on the weekend brush them, like touch their hair, like it waved their hair. It was like a blow dryer in their hair and it's a penalty and put on report. Like let's, I I think we've got to get some perspective into this and it's still with the referee that the crap teams don't get a go. Like, and I know I'm a Bulldog supporter, but the Marshall King Sin Binning, and I know that they might have been warned. And I and I understand that. But in four other games on the weekend, the Titans manly game, Titans at one yeah. point gave away five set restarts in two minutes, and nothing happened. Like nothing happened. In two of the other games, like the Tigers yesterday gave away four in about three minutes. Nothing happened. The Bulldogs were on top in this game at the time where Marshall King got sin-binned, then in 10 minutes, South scored three tries, the Bulldogs didn't touch the ball, and the game's over. Yep. I just think that 10 minutes for that and 10 minutes for what Paulo had done the week before and 10 minutes for somebody else doing things, it's just – there's a lack of consistency even in the six to go. Like, I can't well, they're, they're, the I was just looking. I can't see the difference between them. There's 500 tackles in a game. Yeah. They pick out ten restarts out of some things. Like in one game there, this week, you, there, was ruck in, the there was zero rucking.
0: There was zero rucking infringement in the Melbourne game. Can you believe it? Like, how is that possible?
2: Well, th- that's it what can't I can't mean. be possible. In term, and I know that the that the
0: unless they're being refereed differently,
2: team, the perceived bottom teams I know have to try and slow it down to be competitive. I get it. So, I'm a football fan like we all are and your Tigers and your Bulldogs and your Dragons and all have probably got to slow the better teams down to be competitive. So I get it to a point that – but I don't see it any different to what the good teams are doing and how long it is. And no one can be better at that than somebody else. It's it's a period of time. Like four seconds is four seconds whether you're the Bulldogs, whether you're the Panthers or whether you're the Storm. And I can't see in the difference in too many of the tackles between – Games, I think that they've probably got to get rid of the six to go experiment and penalise blokes for doing it. And if they do it three times, after two, you get a... Make it make it a rule that, like they have with obstruction that's still not right. But say, okay, if you do it three times in or two times in a period of 10 minutes, you get a warning the third time the bloke goes off. Yeah, And then it's cut and dried. At least fans know what's going on. Like, they do a set restart and the, the thing bins on the TV and you don't know what's going on. Like, the commentators don't know. I don't think the players know. I don't know that the refs know. They just make it up. The Tigers referee, yes, they made stuff up.
0: Yeah, that was... Like
2: he made stuff up. And, like, and that
0: was not um, a case of either... I don't think he was biased towards the team. That was the worst case I've seen. You see, where he didn't know what he was doing.
2: Yeah. Like, it was a good play by the Tigers to push in the scrum, but I've heard them say... 200 times this year, don't push in the scrum. Yeah, yeah. Don't strike in the scrum and don't push in the scrum. You hear them saying it. And then yesterday, a team was allowed to do it at a crucial point. And that won the Tigers the game.
0: Yeah.
2: But the Tigers were the better team. But if Parramatta put the ball in that scrum and get the ball, they probably score and the game's over. I'm, I'm glad Parramatta lost. I'm glad the Tigers won. But it'll happen this week and a team will go and push and the ref will stop it.
0: Yeah. Or blow like, a penalty. What, It'll either be reset the scrum or be a scrum penalty.
2: But it's, there's just it. too many things going on, but the slapping thing did me. Like, I don't know whether you guys feel the same in terms of that. What, Ed, what was Edwards supposed to do? And I know that they've pushed him in there. I understand, but what game are we playing? Like, do we want to? Do we Oz tag or do we want rugby league? Like, that's my big, point with it.
3: The biggest thing that the slapping situation showed to me is the lack of, I would say diversity within diversity is probably not the word, but the, the lack of consideration being taken when making these decisions and how context is rarely taken into account because as stupid as it sounds, them palming each other in the face is forceful contact to the head and I'm, I'm not agreeing with the decision but i'm no. saying this is where the, the nuance needs to be because that is forceful contact to the head and so is running at someone 100 miles an hour and taking their head off now so are you allowed to palm
2: to my argument is are you allowed to palm somebody in the face if you're running with the ball and you palm somebody in the face it happened to top up yeah. yesterday yeah Got palmed in the face. That's dangerous contact to the yeah. head. Are we penalising that now too? That's okay. that's what I mean. So yeah. and, she, in, and
0: The in thing the is, thumb. he that hai. I'm pretty certain was a result of that palm, not of what happened the next tackle.
3: Yeah, but yeah. I, I guarantee, <laughs> Opachek got hit harder than either of those blokes. So it, I think it's also, and and I've been one of them fans. Uh, like to cry for consistency a lot of the time. And I get it because yes, I am someone who would like to see consistency, but there then comes a point where certain, and it, it won't remain consistent funnily enough, but where referees are trying so hard to be consistent, if they see something as forceful contact to the head, even though it, it's technically is, but it's nowhere near as bad as all the other cases they still feel compelled to send two blokes to the sin bin because the other night a referee sent someone to the sin bin for taking someone's head off.
2: Like that, and, and the problem is, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do it this week as an exercise for myself. I'm gonna count how many times a player puts their hand forcefully on a player's head once they're tackled and rubs their head, like the old facial massage yeah. or head or forearm to the head. I guarantee that. Out of every game, I'll get 75% of the time that someone's head's touched when they're on the ground. Now, what are we again? We're coming back to forceful here. Yeah. Like you, if someone's on the ground and you still put your hand down on them with reasonable force, that's still forceful and it's still hurting someone's head or yeah. and or neck. So if the, there's got to, you're right, there's got to be some perspective and some context. I don't want penalties blown for that. But if they're going to start doing it, then they've got to be fair income. And if they want the head to be sacrosanct, then you can't touch it at all in any circumstance in the game, because the research will show that even if that's done to you 50 times, someone pushing your head into the ground causes brain injury, then that happens as well. That's one thing that they've, they've got to get some clearly defined rules around this and stick
1: to them. Any thoughts, man? Oh, it's not going to happen this year. Um, it's going to take at least the rest of this year for them to work out what they're going to do, I would imagine. Um, I think it's pretty much as simple as bringing back the five-minute and 10 minutes. So you give Edwards five minutes, you give the other idiot ten minutes for starting it, and then you go from there. Um, you can't... I know they they all do it every second tackle. Someone gets up and grabs a jersey and pushes them away, but you know, it's just open-hand open strike to the face. It's... It's just dumb. Um, They probably didn't need to sit down. Probably just penalty and on you go. If Edwards was to play the ball, would it have even been blown up as a penalty? No. Or would even it's only that they
0: because they retaliated, they watched it exactly, and it stopped. It broke the game down. So that's the only
1: reason there was a call made on it. If he just played the ball and gone on, then the um, old mate would have just got off scot free for being an idiot. So (laughs) yeah, it's. There is no, there's never going to be an answer, especially with the head contact. I don't think you are meant to technically palm above the shoulders. Um, again, another one you see it every week. Blokes come in to make a tackle and get pushed off in the face. Um, yeah, I don't like it. It it it's not. It doesn't do anything for the game with all the the scrap and the rubbish in the ruck. But I, I can't see a way of getting rid of it. To be honest, oh, neither, so. neither
2: can I. But it, 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 there's just got to be something that's clearly defined because at the moment. You only have to listen to podcasts and talk back radio shows and stuff to see that fans have had enough and they don't know what's going on and it changes from week to week.
1: And yeah, yeah. And as you said, if game, there's something along the lines of three or four in a row down your end of the field in the space of whatever it is, five minutes, 10 minutes, someone's going to go then, you know, people would probably understand that as long as it happens think, every time... I still think it needs
0: to be a position, discretion. So. so, say the third... Say the second of the set, you say it's a penalty. Because I reckon eight teams out of ten would be happy to take the two points and start again. You go yeah, well, start, they should be able to start, do start,
2: penalty, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's pretty simple. Because then the second Red one...
2: And yeah. then, then the crowd knows that's a penalty for that, then the next one goes.
0: Because go? we've just it, solved perfect. all the world's
1: problems.
2: 100%.
0: That's, that's and the, if, the, if the Bulldogs do what they did, well... They keep their things, but they're down six 0 because they might give away three in the first. If that's because that's the thing with it, wasn't it? Th- three in the first,
2: or two in each of three sets. And they tried to slow it down. I get it. Yeah. And and I understand, but in four other games the same thing happened, and a bloke didn't sit.
0: Yes, I agree with that. I had a quick look through the penalty counts. Um, so cow uh, Cowboys nine six were in uh were favoured there. The bunnies got the rub nine eight. And I want to say in a lot of these games as well, there was a massive leveling up in some of these when the game was over, because I think the back end of the games they start going, "Oh shit, the penalty count's nine-one. We better blow a few right. for the other team." And or someone's us. in the ear. Yeah, because in, in the paper Tuesday, like we do, they don't want to be reading out nine-one penalty counts. Uh, Penrith nine-eight with seven-to-three uh, ruck infringements, or seven-to-one in the dogs game. Manly seven-six uh, stormed. 8-7 with zero ruck infringements apparently. Roosters 9-8, Dragons 4-2 and Parramatta 6-4 3-1 uh, set restarts and 4-2 uh, 3 nil to the Knights as well. But yeah, I, I reckon a lot of them are tainted by some late level ups uh, when you actually look and back it, on them. And
2: it's, and it's when they're
0: happening in the game. That's right.
2: To, and, and, again, getting back to what Ollie said, "It's in the context of the game and what's happening in the game that I believe that teams should have to change momentum of the game, not the referee. And at the moment, momentum of games being changed by officials, not by good play or bad play from a team. It's being changed by a match official, except maybe in the Titans' case where they just for half the game play shit and the other half play good. Yeah. That." Other than that, momentum is changed with refereeing decisions,
0: and well, even out. actually, even, and we'll get to it. But even with the Tigers game, like when we're, I think when it was twenty to sixteen, and we we're trying to work our way back, I'm, I was sitting with my brother Jack and saying, we just need a penalty here, we need a penalty here. Should I really, as a fan, is that what I should be thinking about the sport?
2: Well, that's right, yeah. and and it's the same hand on heart, Daggy. You're a Tigers supporter. How many forward passes do you reckon were thrown? Oh, combined between Brooks and Hastings
0: yesterday? Yeah, a dozen.
2: And so what are the touch judges doing? There was yeah. at least 10 passes that were questionable in that game. Again, I'm glad the Tigers won, but what are the touch judges doing? What's their purpose? Yeah, And how, they- how
0: did no one – and even how, how did no one check that no grounding of the ball? How, there was a bunch anyway, – anyway, we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get yeah. to that. Only uh, yeah, other couple of bits of news is that apparently Newcastle have pulled their offer to Caelan Ponga, but uh, more to come there. They're still, you know, apparently it's still somewhere on the table or somewhere in the mail or stuck under his wheat bix. Uh, and uh, Mitch Barnett's been released from the final year of his contract to go to the Warriors next year. So um, and Bulldogs
2: have signed Ryan Sutton.
0: Yes, from Canberra. So I guess that's not a bad pickup. Uh, no other real news around, apparently Panerith met with Luke Garner today to potentially discuss him coming in, Uh, but anyway, let's get to some footy I suppose, Um, kicked off, the round kicked off with 18-12 Cowboys coming back at half time to run them down, Barney what the stats say and you can lead us away on your thoughts on, well the faders again, there they were, you're on mute by the way.
1: thought i'd change that anyway yeah so he had two tries to the raiders three to the cowboys two out of two conversions played three out of three 72 percent completion played 75 percent uh 27 out of 37 sets played 33 out of 44 three line breaks for both sides 19 tackle busts played 26 for the cowboys nine offloads to seven two force dropouts from both teams zero 40 20s 377 tackles made by Canberra, 337 by the Cowboys. Two ruck infringements to one, two inside the tens to zero, six penalties conceded to nine. There was 12 errors by the Raiders, 10 by the Cowboys. Starling made 50 tackles. Uh, Robson made 46. Papali'i with 159 metres. And Tamalolo with 255. Velame uh, missed five tackles, made 14. Dearden missed three and made 16. Holmes was the top super coach scorer on 92 points. Luki with 90 and Tamalolo with 86. Before you get down to Starling on 83. I uh, thought the first 15 minutes was, um, well, obviously it was all the Raiders. There was some pretty uh, very poor defense on the try line again from the Cowboys, and it, it looked to me like it was going to be a repeat of last week, where every time the team got down on their on their try line, they were just going to let them score points. But it, um it changed. I, I realistically after 15 minutes thought the Raiders was going to win this 40 nil or 40 to 10. But the Cowboys did not look on at all. Um, the defence was horrible, and they couldn't get out of their own way. But the Raiders just sort of fumbled their way through the rest of the first half, to be honest. And the Cowboys didn't do much more <laughs> either. The first half was pretty uninspiring football from both teams. But um, the Cowboys started. You know they they started on well they they. Up the speed tremendously in that second half straight off the kickoff. They were playing at a different level than what they were in the first half. And the Raiders just completely had nothing about them. I, I don't know why they couldn't, they couldn't seem to make meters. They couldn't even look like threatening the line for pretty much the entire second half, uh, even in good ball, or even with a good set, uh, a set attacking line that sort of went two passes across the line and just died in the ass. Um, They've got a lot to work on in there with their attack, the Canberra Raiders. Generally, to me, it seems that as soon as they're not sure what they're doing, they just throw the long ball out to White and then hope that he does something. <laughs> he doesn't have a lot of support either, so he ends up getting rushed, making mistakes, and balls hit the ground, or he kicks it. And then that's pretty much the end of their set. They don't use Schneider anywhere near as much as they should, especially in that second half, because um, he was I thought he was the reason that they were in such good structure and positioned at the start of the game. I thought he played quite well again for a young fella. But, um, yeah, they they did, They did. looked like they couldn't beat anybody in that second half, the Raiders. Their starting pack was steady, but didn't really make an impact. Starling Papaliti and Hewira Naira were the best of the Raiders. Uh, their bench and back line did sweet fuck all in the game, really. Um, the Cowboys are pretty similar with uh, Robson and and Gilbert, Tom Gilbert playing quite well in the forwards. Um, and Lukey and Tomalolo, I thought, was the
0: best can player believe, on the field. Can you believe Alolo didn't get a Dalian point? Bullshit. No, he didn't get a point. Uh, Are <laughs> you fucking serious? And Nano, Nano might have been the worst game I've ever seen someone play. They got two Dalian points. Apart from that one try, he was woeful. Bullshit. He yeah, made
2: right. about four or five errors that gave, day. I've
0: just looked. He's had, he had four penalties. he, had four well, he was term- a
1: mile better than Nanai.
0: Yeah, four missed tackles, two, missed, two ineffective tackles. Uh, and... Apparently no errors, but he he dropped two or three balls in there. Yeah, I think it was he poor. It was when woke. it came
1: down to it. The um the centers from the Cowboys were really probably the difference in the game, apart yep. from the extra running meters out of the forwards. Um they actually looked threatening when they had the ball and were in one on one positions, unlike the Raiders. So.
0: Yep. Uh I I good summary there. Tomalolo just put him on his back for the last half hour. He How was good just, was he? He'd, yeah. but he'd just go to dummy half, he wouldn't even worry about the hit up. He'd say, I'll go get it to him myself. <laughs> um he's every run counted. Uh, as a result, yeah, Holmes looked as good as he has all year. He provided plenty of spark. As I said, for the wraps on him, Nanai was, I thought, awful. Um, very detrimental to him at times. But that one I try was that try, try was fantastic, mm. of course, but the rest of it was very average. Uh, and, uh, look, Townsend, I know they got away with it, but he was he was brave territory for a lot of that game. He's kicking game. But Deedon was even worse. I think that was the close to Deedon's. Worst performance of the year. We're pretty so. mediocre, and they were only matched by the Canberra ones in the second half. <laughs> I don't understand. Like you said, Schneider looked like a a champion for twenty minutes, and then he so. didn't touch a ball after that. Starling the same, but um, but you know, ran past some lazy forwards to get all, get the game underway. But uh, still, concerns for both teams. I just don't like of all performances this week. That might have that last forty minutes from Canberra is probably the probably the worst. I'd have to think about that, Gump.
2: Yeah, look, I concur with what you guys have said. I thought Tal Malolo was great and he's starting to get back to the Jason Tal Malolo that is, they've paid big money for for a long time and I don't know whether him and the coach have hugged and, and made up or or what it is or they've come to some kind of an agreement or whatever it is, but whatever it is, it's working for, for the team at the moment. The Raiders, again, and I say it every week for them, there's just no spark with them. Like the first 20 minutes they looked decent with guys like Starling and and Papalia and guys like that. and I, I don't know if momentum changes for them when they change and bring reserves on or, or whatever. I, I don't think they're getting much out of Whitehead or Sutton. I, I sort of aren't giving them a whole lot either. Um, the centres, they're young and they, they run hard and but defensively I think that they struggle in terms of mm. that. They're not that dynamic back five that a lot of other teams have gotten that, you know, they're, they're struggling. The Cowboys are at least, you know, when you look at, and I was going to bring it up at some point today, that it's pretty obvious who the good teams are going to be. If you start looking at for and against straight away and Cowboys for and against, at least they're against is good and they're not conceding a whole lot of points and they haven't, I think won game, I think the Roosters put a score on them, but that was about it in terms of, so, they're staying in games based on some defence and some grit in the middle and, you know, they're relying on that to, you know what, and they may just be the eighth team at the moment. When you look at the, the seven, the Cowboys at the moment, if they can keep defending the way they are, then maybe they're that, that eighth team unless somebody sort of springs up out of the ground and starts showing a little bit defensively. As much as it hates... Hey, pains me to say it, that could be what happens.
3: Yeah, well, uh, as we said before, I think um, eighth, possibly even seventh um, spot's going to be filled by a team that definitely does not deserve to be playing finals football, I'd say. But uh, last year, I sort of brought up Luke Thompson on a weekly basis and all the different ways he's trying to get out of the Bulldogs, well, if I'm Tom Starling, I'm nipping next door to the Australian Institute of Sport, posing as a soccer player, getting on the plane to whichever, whatever tournament or whatever they're going to, and I'm going to wherever they go and I'm not coming back because like just watching him, I get tired. Like I get tired because of the effort he's putting in and just seeing some of the dribble around him. He must be looking at some of the, the sets that they go through and just be crying on the inside because he's definitely someone who's outshining just about everyone else there. And I guess you could say Jason Tamalala has over the past few weeks with the Cowboys, although overall they do look a better side than the Raiders. Um, I especially wanted to bring up the centers and Valentine Holmes. Um, He's been inconsistent. He seems to have sort of one week on one week off, but at the moment it's sort of better than what we saw for the majority of last season. I would say, except for maybe a few weeks of the middle of the year. So I hope he can actually sort of maintain his form in the centers throughout the year, because when he's been on, like in that game last week, uh, he was amazing to watch, which you can't always say about players in some of these games between the lower table side. So I thought he was a bit of a standout as well.
0: Yeah, I, well, I'm going three points uh Contrary to the Dalium, the actual award to Daggium, three points to Lolo, two to Val and one either Starling. I had Tarpane or Papa E, potentially, but uh, any thoughts?
1: I
2: had Heal
0: and Lukey
1: for two points. Um, yeah, Luke. I thought the first time he's played 80 minutes and he, he just worked all the entire him. 80 minutes. Um, yeah, a lot of hit ups, a lot of defence. And then I had um, Holmes for the one.
0: Yeah, I'm okay so. with that. If uh, you guys are, beautiful. Souths, 30, defeated the Bulldogs, 16. You can tell us some stats. and found out 30,000 people, some good crowds across the uh, across the board this weekend. Is it 30 or 36, 16? Oh, this is 30, one, nine, f- uh, 36, 16. Sorry, I was looking yeah. at the um the crowd. Uh, 36, 16. Tell us the stats and then the floor is yours. Come yeah, we had six tries to three. Six out of six conversions
1: played two out of three for the Dogs. 72% completion played 74%. 34 out of 47 sets played 29 out of 39. 500-plus running metres and 260-plus post-contact metres for Souths. Six line breaks to two. 38 tackle busts to 25. Five offloads to nine. One force dropout for the Souths team. Zero 40-20s. 284 tackles played 380. One ruck infringement to seven. One inside the 10 to two. Nine penalties conceded to eight, 15 errors to 12. A <clears throat> sin bin for the dogs. Cook with 34 tackles, Thompson with 55, Liam Knight with 202 run meters, Dufty with 189. Mansell missed four tackles, made four tackles, missed three. Dufty and Avarillo both missed three tackles and made six. Burton missed three and made nine. So the most was TP, uh, TPJ with six missed tackles out of 24. Cook with 121 supercoach points. Alex Johnson with 94, Luke Thompson with 77.
0: Gumpy, how do you feel?
2: Yeah, look, I'll start with saying, look, South with a better team and the Bulldogs still need to fix their defence. They're still, in the past three weeks, conceded 120 points and I know they've probably played, well, they've played Melbourne, Penrith, South, so the draw hasn't sort of been kind to of them in those three weeks either, but they've still conceded a lot of points and your defence has just got to be better in terms of that. But in this game against South, you take the 10-minute sin bin away and it's three tries all. South scored three tries in that 10-minute sin bin time for Marshall King. And I know that, you know, you've got to manage the the game in that 10-minute period. But it was certainly a momentum killer in in this game. So outside of that, it's three tries all. And, what, 18-16 or something you'd say the score was. You take the the sin binning of Marshall King out if they were given a warning, then Marshall King probably shouldn't have, have done it, but the tactics were to, to slow the game down. I thought the Bulldogs' attack looked a bit better at times in the, in, in the game. Um, I thought Paul Vaughan was really good with his go forward um, on the weekend, and Kyle Flanagan, again, was, was good. Um, Matt Burton, yeah, didn't have his, his best game. I thought he, his involvement was, was quite limited. Um, they've still got to find a way to get certain players involved in the game I would probably play a at fullback um you know you're paying him good money see how it goes like that you're, you're one and five. You know, you bite the bullet and do something a little bit different and, and maybe put him at one and see how it goes. It's, you can put anyone on the wing, loomy loomy or somebody put him on the wing or Ockham ball back in or something and have a go with the Fox at fullback so he gets the ball in his hands a little bit. Because at the moment, the only time the Fox is getting the ball is coming out of yardage, which is not his thing. So, you know, the Souths were, were good. Damien Cook was really good. Murray was good. I still think that Katie Walker is he, quiet. Like he did a few things in the game. I but thought everything still, like he's.
0: I don't think he did that much, but he he looked. I think he was flattered. I don't think he played that well at all.
2: Yeah. No. So he did a few good things yeah. in in the game, but not really that great. I think that South are winning despite his lack of form and, and lack of confidence. Liam Knight was really good off the bench for them. I thought he really worked hard. Um, but other than that yeah the bulldogs need to probably fix their defense a bit and and just keep trying and, and working hard you know like some other some of the other bottom teams their win will come it, you know whether it be this week or the or the week after but you know i think that when bottom teams are playing bottom teams that they'll sort of share it out a little bit so um, yeah that's about all just,
0: i got I'll, yeah my my main uh, takeaways from the dogs were they're not far away um, they're, mis- they're just missing some strike They're missing, I think I sent it to you in a text, Gumpy But um, first half they looked quite quite dangerous back up through the ruck That inside ball a few times But Dufty was either nowhere to be seen Or sort of airy fairying around a little bit And uh, just missing in action sometimes it felt um, Especially when they. I'm guessing they played that play for him or were playing that way for him, and Josh Jackson, God bless him, he's been a great servant, but he, the, play, the attack just breaks down half the time it gets to him. I'm mean, just looking, he ran 60 metres, but there's a few times he got the ball in the fourth or fifth and just threw it out the back somewhere.
2: Yeah, um, he's not. and He, he can't be the ball-playing lock. No. If the Bulldogs want to have a ball-playing lock, it can't be Josh Jackson doing that job. If they don't have somebody to do it, then don't play that way. Yeah, like so. you've got to play to your limitations. So, if you don't have somebody that can do that job, like Yo Murray, not every team has one. No. So, it, you know, I reckon the best one to do it for the Bulldogs would be Luke Thompson. It, possibly to play that role, he's got a little bit of football in him, maybe, to do it. But uh, Josh Jackson's not the man for that job.
0: Yeah, no, So, they were two that sort of stuck out to me. And then just getting after you just get nothing out of your centres. Like, neither of them are making big metres. Avrillo's not big enough to be breaking tackles. So well, shots back in this week, shop's back in notice. this week. so that helps. Uh, that, and
2: help. I'll, I'll be interested to see whether Alamotti will come in. Alamotti's back from injury next week, apparently. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see whether he gives him a couple of games in New South Wales Cup, brings him straight in, or they leave him for a while. But he's their strike in the centres. Like, he, he's another type of Tago type of player. So um, obviously not he. playing in a, in a quality team like that, but... He's that kind of player, and he's
0: held in that regard. I feel like you two boys will happily talk about South, so I'll hand off to you first, Ollie.
3: Yeah, I thought the Bulldogs looked an improved side in in a Mm. weird sort of way, but their defence is still just horrible, other than, funnily enough, probably Josh Jackson, which is why he was probably so spent in attack because he'd been making half their tackles, and the other half pretty much came from Luke Thompson – but South Sydney's Forge just ran over the top of them. Like, even coming off the bench, like, Liam Knight just under <laughs> that, and they just got absolutely destroyed through the middle. Maybe if it wasn't for those two blokes, they might have lost by a bit more. Uh, we've all agreed that Barrett's pretty much got to go, but I think, like, the straw's about to break on the camel's back. I think if uh, Brisbane are to put up a bit of a scoreline against them next week, which they might, based off of how well the Bulldogs have defended the past few weeks, I think he... I'll, I'll make it my bold prediction. I say Trent Barrett's officially sacked next week because I feel like we're getting to that point where it's just something big's got to change. And Gus Gould's the type of guy who can make those sort of big decisions. And he's just not going to sit around if they're one and six. They're and- likely to do a
2: Tigers win this week. It was going to be Madge's yeah. last game. Yeah. Like, and Madge's now safe for another four weeks or however long until the dogs bark. Like, you know yeah. if you're going to do it do it now why wait for another loss if he's if he's not the way forward yep. the same for any team if yeah. get rid of him yeah but, you know if they win the next two games you can't yeah. I, I, and i'm sure yeah and I'm sure it's a Bulldogs fan, yeah. Gus has done it before.
3: Well, that's yeah, what I'm... Yeah, I'm I'm pretty, yeah didn't he sucks, Um, Anthony Griffin when Penifer in the top four or something? But yeah, yeah. Again, I'm, I, sure. I, I'm, I'm sure you um, agree, Gump. Like, it, it, he's wearing very, very thin. And most Bulldogs fans, I think, are already past it. I think it's time for him to go. But other than that, South Sydney were, I'd say, tremendous in the four pack. I'd say Cook. Uh, I still don't think he should be the Australian hooker or anything, but it was nice to see him actually put his hand up and say, remember me, I'm actually the incumbent. Um, But that's all I could really say. The big takeaway for me was just the Bulldogs were just absolutely destroyed by South Sydney's folds. And other than a couple of uh, proper efforts put in from the Bulldogs, that defense really has to uh, get a good kick up the ass. Um,
1: a lot of it come off the back of fatigue, I thought, um, especially in that last 20 minutes, half an hour for the dogs because the first 15 minutes they were in it and they were probably dominating it. Um, to go to your point of the symbion. um, they were wrestling and there was a lot of wrestle and a lot of slower, slower play the balls and to beat South, you have to do that um, because that's the way they win their games. They win on the back of momentum and fast play the balls. Um, the thing is, obviously, you've got to do it a little bit more with um, physical contact. I think that first contact, that's... You'll notice with a lot of the, the lower down teams, it's that first up contact. They might not miss the tackle, but they go in and they don't stop the player and they get carried for five or 10 metres and then that drags in another two defenders to, to, to finish the tackle off. And if they do get up quickly and if they land the right way with three blokes dragging down, they're up and then they've left three guys behind them. And yeah. you're running a, a defensive line of, you know, now running at 10 blokes instead of running at 13. So it does make a big difference. Uh, the the ten minutes obviously changed the game completely. South's tempo and the pay, play the ball pretty much doubled the speed of the play the ball. And then um, Damien Cook just started running amok through the middle, with the back of Joe Jairo and um, Cameron Murray through the through the guts. But they also started playing side to side very quickly as well, and um, stretched both sides of uh, the Dogs' defense. And they, it was play the ball after play the ball, they go to the left and they go to the right. They come back to the middle go to the left in the same play. And the, the dogs line just had to keep sliding from side to side. And I think a lot of um, fatigue set in there towards the back end of the first half and to start the second half dogs look a lot better with the structure, with the ball in hand. Um, they play, I think Flanagan just gives them that opportunity to play a little bit slower. They don't need to be as frantic with um offloads in the with the second rowers. He seems to be able to slow the play down a little bit and still give time to his outside men. He's not the greatest halfback in the world. He's not even close to it, but um he does do a job there that they need somebody to do that they haven't done so far this year. So um the back line was tremendous. You have to mention Campbell Graham. He's been in fine form for the last few weeks, pretty much since the season started, and I think I don't see that stopping anytime soon. But um, Ado Carr got more involved. He, he's starting to look for the ball, so you you'd shout at fullback's probably not a bad idea, to be honest, um, get him in and around the ball because he looks like he's coming off his wing a bit more to try and find it, so... Why not help him out and just put him in the middle of the field and let him do what he wants on either side of the ruck?
0: Um, couldn't be a bad thing. Well the, the, the jungle drums are that they're not going to re-sign Dufty. No. Uh, so isn't he the logical next one? We think so, unless well, they're, they're playing play on buying yet. someone. That's what I mean. Like if if that's what's no, happening. I agree, Dag. If yeah.
2: he if he's gonna be fullback next year playing this year. Yeah. You're not gonna yeah. make the eight this year. You got Marnie and kick out coming and Ryan Sutton and who knows who else now. Yeah. They're gonna have clear the decks if he's going to be number one next year then play him
0: there now play Dufty
2: in reserve
1: grade Dufty got a bit more involved but again he wasn't that threatening Um, Taff was decent I thought as was Graham, Alex Johnson does his job every week give him him half a chance he's going to score a try, it's just what he does Um, I thought Luke Thompson was amazing, best game of the season Um, probably well into the back end of last season as well young Matt King on the bench he needs to st- I think he needs to start. They should probably put Vaughn back and use him as a bit because he's a bigger body. he could have that bit more impact coming off the bench after 15 or 20 minutes give one of the other guys a rest. Um, yeah. I think that'd probably help the dogs but and those three I mentioned were the best out of the dogs team. Keon Kumbatungi is growing into an incredibly impressive second roller and he's going to be right up there I think by the end of the season with um, up in the list of the top second rollers in the game. I already mentioned Cook. I already mentioned the rest of them. So I had Cook with three points, Murray with two, and then I had Luke Thompson with the one.
0: Yeah, I had Liam Knight for one just because that was a pretty – 200 metres off the bench. Pretty yeah. impressive yeah. off the off the bench. But uh, happy for you guys to vote on your ones there.
2: I'm happy
3: to go with yours there. I'd probably just go with Knight.
0: Yep. Oh, yeah, okay. be so, cool. yep because I think Knight.
3: he only played about 40 minutes yeah, as well. Yeah,
0: and every touch counted for him, it felt like um, – Beauty. No, that, was, uh, that wraps up that one. Penrith, 40, put the sword in the end to the Broncos, 12. Another game that was good for a top-quality game, I thought, for 40 minutes. Uh, unfortunately, as is the case with 14 other teams in the comp, they can't play 80 minutes. Uh, and what the stats say, bar
1: Seven tries to two. Six out of seven conversions played two out of two for the Broncos. Uh, High completion from both sides, 85% for Penrith, 86% for the Broncos. 40 out of 47 sets, played 32 out of 37. 800-plus running metres for the Panthers and 250-plus post-contact metres. Nine line breaks to two, 48 tackle bus to 29, 13 offloads to three. Uh, Four force dropouts from both sides, a 40-20 for the Panthers. 311 tackles played 363, three ruck infringements to seven, one inside the 10 against the Panthers. Three penalties conceded to five, nine errors to eight, and a sin bin for both teams. <clears throat> Yo with 46 tackles, Turpin with 35, May with 228 meters, and Palaisea with 186. Targo missed five tackles, made 12. Walters missed seven and made 13. Cleary with 147 supercoach points, Stags with 102,
0: Sorensen with 100. Yeah. Wasn't he on fire, Scott Sorensen? Um, yeah, wasn't he? Wasn't it he, Jeff? feels a bit... It felt... This will sound weird. You know, I think I just had a look then. The score was actually 22-6 when it happened. Um, but that sin being killed Brisbane off as well, um, in a weird way. I know both plays went, but that was the end of Brisbane for the night. Um, they were brave, the Broncos, but they're just not that good. And when you take off that player and then you lose... You lost Tessie New, who was the other yeah. attacking weapon on the night... Uh, apart Looking from Stags, very good too. Uh, he looked like he was about to have a breakout game. Unfortunately, uh, that just um, you know you can't take on Penrith without them. And by the, the last twenty minutes, was just Penrith taking a piss. They don't, as as I say, they don't the right, right to as I get attacked by a bug. They'd earned the right to win the game, and they did it pretty comfortably. Um, but up until then, Brisbane are brave. They'll beat some teams. I don't know when though. Like it started, it seems to be a regular conversation the last two years. Um, we keep saying they're going to beat someone, but at some point they actually have to. Uh, and the usual suspects were all fantastic. Cleary's, you know, fourth up and top of his game. He'd be scary for the next few weeks leading into Origin. Lee Martin was fantastic. Gale's fantastic. The whole back five were pretty good. So uh and Appy's almost in as good a form as we've ever seen him. Holly Yeah,
3: just on the Tessie New injury, I I'll actually pinpoint that as the moment it all, unraveled for Brisbane because you could tell they would have planned and trained and worked so hard to take on Penrith this week and that just would have unraveled everything, just their game plan, what they were looking to do, they were holding strong and it just seemed like there wasn't. And obviously you don't go in and plan for injuries to happen to all your players, but when you're versing a quality side like Penrith and you are sort of sticking with them, anything like an injury to any of your players and any sort of reshuffle majority of the time is going to throw you. And well, they, had, they had to move Capel onto like the wing. It was a Capel that yeah. went to the
0: wing. So yeah, that's yeah. And out I thing. think he did. Yeah. He yeah. did
3: just yeah. go straight to the wing, which yeah. I thought it was a bit odd, but it just, yeah, it completely throws things out and you've actually got to work your way back up. And for Brisbane, who are nowhere near the same quality as Penriff, that little change I think what set it off for the Panthers. And look, as in the last game, South Sydney's forge just ran all over the top of the Bulldogs. Well, I think pretty much every Penrith player ran over the top of the Broncos, at least in the last 20 minutes of this game. It didn't really seem like any Penrith player in particular had a bad game. Just when they hit their stride and Brisbane were off, they were on and it, any player was going to look like a superstar in that Penrith team for the last 20 minutes, it seemed everything just clicked. And I'd say to your point, Daggy, that it was probably also Nathan Cleary's best game of the year yep. so far, obviously.
0: Yeah. but
2: Look, I thought Brisbane really good. And I think that Penrith had to up their level in the second half. I think it was one of those games that we've spoken about where the better team sort of cruise and, and do what they have to do to win. And then Brisbane was so good that I think Penrith had to sort of rethink at half time and think, okay, well, we've got to go from first year to the third or fourth year. I don't know they got to the fifth year, but, you know, I think that they had to go up some gears in the last 20 minutes, Brisbane were gassed and Penrith then sort of take, took the piss. But up to then I thought Brisbane were really, really competitive. I thought Reynolds kicking game, as you would expect, kept them in the, in the contest, um, pinned them into corners as much as he could, and, and they defended. They had good line speed, um, considering they didn't have Payne-Hass, they didn't have Carrigan, and they didn't have Flegler, who would be three probably players that would definitely be in their forward pack. I thought that they they were quite good and, you know, gave Penrith a, a fright in the first half. It, Stags out there was sort of running mark, and when New was out there with him, they, you know, that you thought stuff was sort of the first two decent possessions Brisbane got, they scored points and then probably had another one where Staggs dropped the ball or they were held up or whatever in the, in the game as well. So they probably could have had another try. So look, I thought Brisbane were, were quite good and Penrith had to increase their level. I don't think Penrith really had a bad player, Scotty Sorensen, sort of a breakout breakout game. He's always been that good bench player that comes on makes yards makes his tackles and doesn't make any errors, which is what you want from your bench because generally you see that 14, 15, 16 and 17 come on and they first touch as an error and whatnot. So Scotty Sorensen never sort of makes too many errors and I'm glad for him he's had a sort of a breakout game in terms of that. It was Nathan Cleary's best game, but um, I think Brisbane, uh, even though they they didn't win, I think saw what Adam Reynolds brings. For, for their team and sort of gets them around the field, good kicking game. If they can change mentality a bit and keep Hass on the field and Stags playing well and, and whatnot, they've probably got enough to beat most of the bottom teams. If everything goes well for them, they've probably got Reynolds, Hass, Staggs and a few other – throw a few other blokes in can probably
1: get the job done for them. Yeah, another really – Impressive 40 minutes out of the Broncos. Unfortunately, they don't seem to be able to go much more than 40 minutes at the moment. Um, There's going to be games where they can probably go through at 75% and maybe eke out 70 minutes, and they'll get away with a few wins here and there against some different teams. But when they go at full throttle, they've obviously only got about 40 minutes left in them, and they did come as hard as they possibly could at this Penrith team in the first half um, and made Penrith work. It was realistically only two individual efforts Got Panthers in front and um, at halftime, and uh, you know Jerome Lui with some footwork, and same again with Sorensen stepping back past a couple of lazy defenders, and doing it all on their own. It wasn't anything um, superb out of Penrith. They they do it better than anyone. They kick to the corners and they just absolutely make you earn every meter out of your out of the defensive end, and it takes a toll on teams. Uh, even they do it to the best teams. It's realistically probably one of the only ways you're going to beat Melbourne as well is get them down there and just try to bash them while they're coming off their own trial line. Um, you got to take the energy out of them. And the Broncos, yeah, just could not match it with Penrith in the second half. They came out and rank, uh, just cranked it up a little bit. Uh, as Ollie mentioned, the forwards were just taking the piss by the end of the game. They were just busting holes everywhere. They significantly targeted both the halves, especially in that second half. Um, They just ran their big boys at Adam Reynolds and Billy Walters, and Billy Walters can't tackle at the best of times. So um, put a bit of fatigue into him and see what happens at the back end of most games. Uh, He starts falling off a lot more than he makes. um, As you mentioned, Appy's in the best form he's been in for a long time. I thought Spencer Lenu, which I don't think anyone mentioned, was fantastic. Um, the way he's run the ball in the last two weeks has been amazing. And if he can keep that up, he's going to um, earn an upgrade in his contract the next time it comes around. Because I thought he was very destructive with the ball in hand. Um, trying to get hold of Penrith's team in with them with momentum is just a fucking nightmare. How do you stop them? How do you slow them down? They Even if you do get them on the back foot, they just kick early and put you back down the other end and then make you work to get back to the other end of the field. So very clever, uh, very clever rid there. Defensive kicking the Penrith team, you'll notice that if you watch them hard enough. You'll notice as soon as there looks like any sign of trouble, they just bomb it down the other end and back their defence to pin the team down the other end of the field. And they did that a few times here. Penrith couldn't go. Uh, Broncos couldn't go with them. So uh, there wasn't really anyone in that Broncos team that stood out to me, except for maybe Palacios. He had a real hard dig and went pretty well. I think he was trying to, you know, fill the boots of Payne which. Not many people are going to do, but um, and I, I thought saying, he had
0: a real crack. I thought Jensen was good too. For, yes,
1: to yeah, Corey it. Jensen was good, considering he's been a bench player pretty much his entire career and he's just yeah. sort of starting to break into it now. I thought, yeah, he had a pretty good go as well. But look, um, Fish, Fish Harris was quite good again. Um, he just brings that intimidation factor. Even when he has a quiet game, most of his runs put people on their ass and then he sort of stands over them and you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I thought Cleary was by far the standout in the game. Uh Isaiah Yo, I gave two points just because he's in everything every week. And then oh, I was a toss up between Staggs, Sorensen, or Apicorosau for the one. Um oh sorry, Staggs was amazing too in that first half. He was having absolute fun just torturing Tago there for <laughs> that first forty minutes of the game. And with Tessie New on his
0: inside, they were actually really causing Penreff a lot of problems on that side of the field. So um well, yeah, one point's a good question. I, I'm happy to give one to Sorensen just because uh, just good on him. Yeah. The best game he's ever played more than... The, night after,
3: it. It. the night after at the Gums, of Field the people there gave him the nickname the President of Penrith. So <laughs> yeah, right. Scotty Sorensen. That's his yeah his new moniker.
0: The uh, Saturday night, Manly 26, Titans 18 kicked us off. Barney, what the stats say? And then Ollie, you can uh, give us your opinion.
1: Yeah, so we had four tries apiece <laughs> for both of these teams. Four, four out of four conversions for Manly, one out of four for the Titans, and a pen, one out of one penalty attempts for Manly, uh, the Manly team. 85% completion played 77%. 34 out of 40 sets played 31 out of 40 sets. Five line breaks to six. 24 tackle busts to 37. Wow. Five offloads to 11. Four, four dropouts to 3 Zero 40-20s. 304 tackles played 316, four ruck infringements to five, one inside the 10 against Manly. Seven penalties conceded to six, seven errors to 10. Jake Turbo made 41 tackles. Aaron Clark with 34. Walker with 184 metres. And what the hell? Tino, sorry. Yes, with 164. The one's too close to Tino and it makes it look like Tano. Anyway. Cooler with missed four tackles, made 15. Brimson missed three and made 22. Fafita made 120 supercoach points. Olukowatu with 92
0: and Foran with 85. It's not a bad night out. Two runs for 120 supercoach points, is it, Oli?
3: <laughs> Jermaine Asako. <laughs> <laughs> no, right.
0: uh, Roadblock, I, as I call him.
3: I believe he's human, um, for one. All I, I, I'm just questioning why... I'd, the Dolphins are apparently going in so hard for Kalen Ponga when they've already signed their ready-made fullback in Jemena Sako. I'd actually forgotten until this afternoon that he'd signed with the Dolphins. So I'm glad. I'm glad he's definitely not staying at the Titans. Although, if I'm Wayne Bennett watching his performances ever since joining the club, I'd be tearing his contract up. But anyway, yes, he's indeed um, the antichrist. Possibly, no, I shouldn't say that. But I, I'm not a big fan of Jermaine Sako right now. He epitomises everything wrong with my favourite club, as does David Fafita to an extent. Even though the past two weeks has probably been his best weeks, so I still expect more. Ugh. But um, yes, this team just absolutely sucks. <laughs> a tip out there. I don't usually give g- genuine tips for punters, but I tell you what: if you're betting on a Titans game and they're versing anyone other than Melbourne or Penrith. Don't tip them to lose 13-plus because they won't. They'll get flogged in the first half and then they'll come back and they'll lose. They'll still look horrible somehow, but they'll lose by about eight points or ten points. They won't win another game this year unless it's against oh, a, an absolute shitter of a game against the Tigers again or possibly Gump's Bulldogs. And I'm um, I'm getting ready for bottom four. I mean, like I, I know they've lost – by eight points to Manly, who were in the preliminary final last year the, and all that. But I mean, just from what I've seen from this team, like how can you win a game if you play for 40 minutes? I would hate to see because it would make me so sick and probably cry where the Titans would currently be at if they played 80 minutes of decent football because they'd be in a pretty good position and it'd make me sad that they're not there. So is it, give good analysis. I don't know.
0: Um, <laughs> 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 Isaac Lee, it was good. It is fantastic. Was. Uh, yes. it, but I don't understand your Ford rotation when Haney plays 40 minutes and Mo plays 38.
3: That's, they're probably the two best Titans on and the field. And they were the
0: two best, will be two of your best Fords for across that time. Uh, I don't talk about anyone else in that team. They are pretty crap other than that. Tino was good. Tino yeah, was under good. You're underselling Tino. Oh, yeah, I am underselling Tino. You can talk about him in a minute. Uh, Manly Olukowatu was fantastic. He uh, he could have scored four or five tries. So he has taken three or four blokes with him every time he ran the ball. Very impressive. Um, was giving them headaches. And I thought... Uh, Ruben, Ruben was all right. He was on one leg for a long time in that game. He I was a surprised bit. he stayed yeah. out there. But um, while he was fit, he looked sharp. But when the game had to be won, DC won in the game. I thought he was his kicking was fantastic yet again. Uh, and in the last for the last ten fifteen minutes, he was taking two hit ups a set as well, just because no one else was. Yes.
3: Um,
0: he owned that game. I thought he led them home, and could well have been a difference it, by the end of it. Uh, they miss Alloy was good till he went off, uh, and Dylan Walker was again good off the bench. Uh, but you know that's probably standard, um, standard manly, and they did enough to hold on. But like I said, uh, I think more credit than necessary was given goes to D.C. again here. Uh, Gumpy, what do you think of it?
2: Yeah, it? Look about the same
0: as as you did, Daggy,
2: in terms of that. And I know that it, it would be frustrating as a Titan supporter because I've said since week two when they started to show that they're consistently inconsistent in what they're doing, 40 minutes is bad and the next 40 minutes is better. I I agree with Ollie that it's still not great and it doesn't look fantastic, but they have those sparkling 15 minutes where they get a few individuals like Fafida and and some others that do something really good and get some sort of back into the game. Um, Yeah. And I don't, know what it is and they just need an 80 minute performance that's just solid to like it doesn't need to be great just needs to be solid that both halves that they're giving at least dishing up you know seven out of ten for the whole game at least might make you happier as a as a Titans fan and whatnot I think they've got so much potential as a footy team they've got a good forward pack they've got you know the halves are a work in progress they're probably still missing Campbell instead of Vasako, um at the back. I don't know whether Brimson needs to maybe go to the Do back think- and then play another six. Look, I don't Do you think they're playing that-
0: – they're basically trying to plug Vasako into what Campbell would be doing? Probably. He, he touches the ball a lot and it just – it seems like every time he touches it, he's zigging when the team's zagging. Like, it just yeah. – it doesn't fit. And almost so, like, I don't know if it's because they're, they're training the way uh, – Campbell would be playing and he's just plugging in there and not quite fitting or whether it's what they think is working
2: Yeah, look I don't know I I think you know Patrick Herbert does some good things but he's barely a first grader as well with some of the things that that sort of he does Um, yeah look I'll, I'll probably tip him this week in hoping that they can put an 80 minute performance together against the Cowboys but look Manly were good I, I did predict that Kieran Foran had, had, had been quiet and would probably have a, a better game this week, and I thought he did. Yeah. Um, he, his involvement like, wasn't DCE involvement or involve, Ola Kuatu's involvement, but um, he was far more involved in the game and scored a good try and ran the ball and straightened things up, which is when Manly are playing well, and I want to give a big um, shout-out, Dylan Walker. He just brings energy off the bench. Like, he's not my favourite human, I must say, but, um, you know, brings really good energy off the bench and he's nippy around the ruck and makes his tackles and sort of creates another dimension for them when he comes onto the field. So, um, yeah, a shout-out for him. He's, he's doing really well for them.
1: Yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's definitely adding a spark there. Um, he's playing sort of a hybrid role between nine and um, 13 there when he comes on and um, it's all through the middle he adds a bit of extra ball playing and he's developed a decent little grubber as well which he's um, used to affect the last couple of weeks foreign was fantastic i I don't think people have noticed him as much because i think there's been a few games this year where he has actually been really good for the side where he does straighten it up on that edge where they're going too far sideways and you see a lot of teams, they they do, they go way too sideways, way too quickly and then get stuck on an edge and get pushed out or the ball gets flopped back inside and they either lose 20 metres and scoop it back up or the other team dives on it and the, the play dies. So um, he just, He's always
2: dug into the line, as not he? he's he, yeah. He's really, really good at just straightening up, digging into the line happy to take a hit, won't throw a ball to anybody in a worse position than him.
1: Because I think, yeah, I think there's probably the only time this year that I think I've heard him mentioned anywhere else, but there's been two or three times this year where I've sort of sat back and gone, yeah, he's, he's played quite well um, in this game and it just sort of doesn't get mentioned. But good to see him fit, to be honest, because um, you go back five, six, eight years ago, he was one of the best players in the comp and um, his body didn't um, hold up for the five or six years there, but it's good to Bulldog's see him come
2: back. refund.
0: Absolutely, they do Even Um, his, um, I know you mentioned he's running But his final touches are always spot on Pretty class, yeah, absolutely
1: Uh, If the Titans could play 60 minutes of good football Instead of 30 or 40 They'd probably be a decent team And win more than they lose But their four pack was dead set sleepwalking In that first half they were doing absolutely nothing. They were just wandering around. Even when they were getting hit on the chest with the ball, it didn't even spark them out of a walk. Like, I, I can't remember more than probably four or five times where I went, oh, that's a good run in the first half. They just sort of took it into the line and got tackled. And you're not, if you're not putting any pressure on the middles, you're not going to go anywhere when you try to get it out to the edges. And um, a defensive manly- line
0: speed is consistently as slow as anyone else in the conference
1: yeah absolutely and they seem to me to be one of the only teams that play that umbrella style of defense that went out what 20 years ago yeah where the wingers and the centers rush up and the inside guys hold and it just and your worst defenders in your fucking team are your halves and your centers like you can't play that way you got to be standing next to each other you can't get in front of each other and then they get pulled apart by decent teams that get you know, quick early ball out to the centres, and someone who likes to straighten up and go back towards the halves and through the through the centres there. But um, yeah, this I thought it looked again like the Titans were going to get absolutely smashed and just put out of the team and out of the game. But they they are now the Jekyll and Hyde of the NRL. They've taken the Warriors' mantle of being a good team for five minutes and then a terrible team for ten, and they've taken over. That it's just what they do this year. They did it at the back end last year. Um,
3: I wouldn't even say back end, Barney. Uh, the entire they, season
1: last they, year. They yeah.
3: g- genuinely watching the Titans play every game last season and this year so far, there has been one time where I've thought to myself that they played 80 minutes of good football and that's when they blitzed the Warriors in that last round to make the finals. Anything other than that has not even been, I'd say, maximum a 60-minute performance here or there.
1: So yeah, true to form. In the second half, they decided to wake up, and their, their fucking forwards actually put in and started putting dents in the middle of Manly's back, which isn't the best defensive um, middles in the in the comp. They, there is a there is a, a failing there in their defence, and if it is anywhere in the Manly side, it's through the middle. Um, they don't move sideways well enough, and if you can sort of stretch the middle to one side and then come back to the middle, there, there's definitely some holes there. Um, the, the young fella on the bench was. Who was it? He played a Ripper game last week for him and got two points. He comes on at hooker Lawton. He was chalk and cheese from his performance last yeah. week. He was horrible in this one, um, considering how good he was the week before. I, I couldn't believe it was the same bloke, to be honest. But um. Once, once Titans started to win the middle, they actually started getting some good, clean early ball out to their centres and their back rower in David Feeder, and he was the only reason that the Titans got close in this game. I know it was only – you say it was only two runs. He did a lot more work than he has done for any other game this season. He made close to 30 tackles, 14 hit-ups and 130-odd metres, whatever it was. I know probably 60 of those metres come in two runs, but he was definitely looking to get more involved. As I said, I'd love to see him just play 13, just play him at 13 and put Tino back on that edge. Tino's going to do just as good a job on the edge and make him work through the middle, make him, you know, get him fucking fit, get him the fittest backer in the comp and he'd be the best 13 or 12 or close enough to win the comp. But they don't want to do that. so <laughs> Don't want to upset him, I guess. He's on a lot of money. So yeah. I thought Aaron Clark was pretty good. Um, Tino, as I said, you did... You, you were underselling him earlier. I thought he, it was one of his better games for the year, but he did, he was asleep in that first half. Garrick. Um, yeah, he was, I thought he was looking really strong and then started hobbling around, as you mentioned, um, Paseca again, off the bench is one of their better players. Um, for the last probably three weeks, he's been one of their better players coming off the bench with Walker. And, um, Jake can tackle. What, what else can you say about Jake? He doesn't do much else, but he, he can, can tackle. tackle. Yeah. <laughs> DC and Foran were way better than the Titans' halves, and that was the that was the end of the game. Olokowatu was in – he was the focus of their attack. He looked like the only way they were going to score points for a large part of the game, and he was the one who scored a lot of their points. So uh, Olokowatu with three. I gave DC the two, and then I had either Fafita Foran or Tino for the one,
3: but – uh, foreign, I'm but happy with Foreign
0: given yeah, we talked about how he's underrated, unless you really want to put up a stand there, Ollie. No, mate. I'm good. Storm 34 defeated the Sharks 18 in a, a good game of footy. Maybe lived up to the hype, I guess. It was, it was pretty good for a long, large chunk. Yeah. Stats, Barney, and then give us your thoughts on everything. It was five tries to three. Five out of five
1: conversions played two out of three for the Sharks, two out of two penalty attempts for the Storm and one out of two for the Sharks. 81% completion. Played 84, 31 out of 38 sets, 28 out of 33, 150 plus post contact meters for the Storm. Seven line breaks to six, 36 tackle busts to 29, turn offloads to nine, one force drop out from both sides, zero 40 20s, 254 tackles played, 321, no ruck infringements from either side. One inside the ten for the Storm, two inside the ten for the Sharks. Seven penalties conceded to eight, nine errors to five. Harry Grant made 38 tackles. McGuinness made 41 and made himself a meme star. Munster with 183 metres and Mulitano with 210. Hughes missed four tackles, made 12. Uh, Pappenhausen missed three and made four. Moylan missed five and made 20. And Will Kennedy missed three and made only the one tackle. Mulitano with 125 supercoach points. Talakai with 114 and Munster with 96. Again, I think you're underselling things here, Daggy, because you're going to prime up for the Tigers game. I thought this was close to the best game of the year, to be honest. Um, it was up-tempo. It had two teams that were whacking people in defense and attack. And you had two teams that came out with an attacking mindset that actually went at each other. Rather than just sit back and get through their sets, they were looking to score tries from the very start of this game. And they looked like they had a point to prove. And we generally know when Melbourne have a point to prove, they're the team that seems to prove the point more often than anybody else. So um, oh, I, I really enjoyed this game. I thought the Sharks were very competitive for 50 to 60 minutes of this game and were probably better the team for half of that time. But there was 10 minutes before halftime and the last 15, 20 minutes of the game where they just wilted away and couldn't go with the storm. Storm didn't slow down at all during the entire match. If anything, it got quicker and quicker towards the end of the game. Um, The speed of the play the ball in this game was tremendous and the line speed of defence for both sides. I don't think I've seen a quicker game um, this year, but momentum shifted with a penalty, got the Storm on the front foot, and they scored two tries in the next sort of five or ten minutes, but the Sharks dropped their head as well. and they really shouldn't have been, um, you know, letting. Sec- definitely the second try. And the first one was, you know, they got down there and scored straight away. But the next one was a result of them having their heads down. I thought the Sharks probably bombed two or three tries, especially with Haradi on that right side. There was twice when he was away and all he had to do was fling it back into the centre and they would have scored two tries. And both times he held it and both times he got tackled. I think once he dropped the ball. So that's <laughs> you know, if Cateau was there, I think the sharks probably score both of those tries, and the score ends up somewhere where it should have been 34-26 or 34-28, something like that. But I, I think the should um I think the sharks probably deserve to be a little bit closer at the end of this game. This is my take on the storm, is they have the best one, seven, nine, and um six. In the comp, not as an all-round players, but they are the best running players in those positions. Harry Green is the best running nine. Munster, Hughes are the best running halves. And then you've got Pappenhausen who's pretty close to the best running fullback. So as soon as there's half an opportunity, whoever's any one of those four just fucking start running. And then defences start panicking. And then what do you do? There's One of the other blokes is floating on their inside and they can run it just as fast. And they've got just as deadly a step. And they tear teams apart. A lot of it isn't even because they have been completely dominant. It's just they see half an opportunity, and those four guys just take it 95% of the time. So what do you say? I thought it was a tremendous game. Um, Nass and Confuci were really good, uh, but there wasn't a lot of – I thought the Sharks probably won the forward battle just um, with Brayley Rudolph and McInnes. Teague Wilton was good. You had Nass and Confuci were really good on the other side. Uh, Harry was close to the best player on the field again Which he does week after week Mulitano and Talakai were exceptional on that side And I'm surprised they even kept going to the right To be honest I think they should have just put all their eggs in that basket And just kept coming down Talakai's side For the rest of the night But um, Papenhausen was good Olam was very good It was probably the best game I think we've seen out of Olam for a while And Munster was
0: looked like the best player in the comp so. Munster did look like the best player in the comp, Gump
2: yeah, he did. And, look, that's really the best analysis of a game I've ever heard to Barney. So I don't, don't, don't mean to add. <laughs> that,
3: that,
2: was, that was in the grand final for analysis. Um, look, right, it, it's, a break. It, it's proved that Cronulla are a top four team, like, like definitely on that performance. And if Melbourne are the measuring stick, then Cronulla aren't that far off. You consider in that game that Cronulla made two handling errors and still lost by 20. <laughs> yep. So so you think about it. So Cronulla have played a shit-hot game and used the ball, played the edges. They made line breaks. All the things that you want to do against Melbourne dominated the middle and they still lost by 20. <laughs> so, it, look... You're right, Barney, it shouldn't have been a 20-point margin in, in the end. I think Cronulla blew some opportunities and probably, and the coach did say after the game that he thought that they a few of the tries were soft, like the Harry Grant try from dummy half probably shouldn't have been scored. Um, another couple, you know, they were a bit loose in, in terms of that and you can't be loose against Melbourne or Penrith in, in the comp and that's the lesson that they'll learn. But look, I don't reckon they're that far off in terms of that, but they will have to play their very, very best to beat those teams where they sit now, 12 months' time, and that's probably how long it will take them. It will take them a season to really be competitive with those teams if they stay on the same trajectory that they they are now in, in terms of that because coaching will take 12 months for them to get where he wants them to be. To, to morph into that. So, look, I thought Cronulla were great and I just thought Melbourne were better. <laughs> and, and the individuals in the spine, you're right, they just take make the most of opportunities. Munster was next level. Really, in that game, he should get 3-2 and 1. He yep. was that dominant, really, as as a force in that game that, you know, he was next level in terms of what he did on the field and just – you know, and every time, and that's the thing with these teams, every time Cronulla scored and got within a try, two minutes later Melbourne had scored. Yeah. Like the next set after, three times Cronulla scored, Melbourne scored the next set that they had the ball after Cronulla had scored. And whether it be through a penalty or, or whatever it was, and it wasn't through handling errors because they didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until like the 65th minute or something. So they weren't even dropping the ball to give Melbourne opportunities. They just took them. Like they had five chances to score and scored five. Cronulla probably had eight chances to score and scored three. So you take it if they if they were Melbourne and that clinical, they win. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> they, yeah. they, but they're a little bit off. But you know, they're they're a top four team. I said at the start of the year that Parramatta would finish higher. Sharks will finish higher than Parramatta on what I'm seeing at the moment. Because I've penned Parramatta. Any team that the Tigers beat can't win it. So they're penned. They get one chance for me. The Tigers beat them. They're done.
0: It's pretty simple. For a team that lost by 20, um, I think Sharks beat any other team in this comp bar two by 20 if they play like this against any other team, including – they would have put 40 on Parramatta the way Parramatta were the other day. Yep. Um yep.
2: That's
0: hey, one sentence has summed it up. You're right. Uh, so uh, I'm st- yeah, still a little bit north of Barney's analysis. All so, you got it, it dad.
3: It was stupendous. One, stupendous. Uh, I will say this: while like it was a great performance by Cronulla, and they've shown that they probably are a top four team, even borderline premiership contender. I will say that, and it's nothing against Cronulla. Uh, I'm saying this more as a positive towards Melbourne. There is still that gap. Melbourne mm-hmm. is still – I'd say it's pretty obvious to say, but Melbourne are probably closer to Penrith than Cronulla are to Melbourne. And the way Penrith have been playing, to say that about Melbourne is a big positive for them. Uh, as you said, Barney, like the one, six, seven, and 9, I'd nearly argue that overall – It's the best in the comp, not just running, bar one team, and it's pretty obvious who that one team is. But then they're actually not that far off. Um, I feel like yeah, ball playing they're probably second. (laughs) You know what I mean? They are well and truly hitting their stride now, Melbourne. Um, And for Cronulla to put in that performance as well, I'm not saying Cronulla win the premiership next year or anything, but this performance sort of reminded me, even though Cronulla lost in this one of in 2020 when Penrith and Melbourne met for the first time and Penrith beat them. And I think that was when people sort of went, okay, this team, more more than just a good football team. And that's at least what I took away from Cronulla in this performance, even in defeat. Um, They're going to be there when the whips are cracking. I'm not ready to say that they're a a premiership contender only because of the, the two at the top, really. But they're not going to be far off, I don't think.
0: They're starting to feel like a clear third now.
1: Yeah, somewhere At between moment. third and fifth, yeah. depending on the day. But again, it comes down to the missed tackles. Like there was the whole back line missed three, the halves missed five, and the five out of a back rower. Like it's just, you can't miss that many tackles
0: and, and win, especially against Melbourne. So Well, we're three to Munster, two to Harry. Where's one going, Barney? I had two to Talakai and then
1: one to Harry. Okay. Um. I thought Talakai was the reason that Molotano scored both his tries and he scored one himself. So.
2: Well, I but. don't think Talakai had a shit touch. Like we're talking yeah. about Scott Sorensen. I don't think Talakai, again, had a poor touch every time he touched the ball. He's, he's getting to be one of those players now that – you want to watch the sharks to see how he plays yep. because he's he's exciting. He gets the ball and something happens. Like I, I really like him.
3: Yep, no fair. I think after that analysis, Barney can do whatever the hell he
0: likes. Fair. All right, Roosters twenty-two Warriors uh, chase down the Warriors who led at half time uh, with their fourteen points. Uh, another fading effort here, uh, Barney. What the stats say? Another little bit of refereeing in this game as well. Yeah, there was a little bit um, There
1: was, I don't think it really Favoured either team, I thought there was just a lot of a little rubbish in the Ruck, um, and it sort of Went both ways at different times mm-hmm. There was three tries to two um, Three out of three conversions for the Roosters Two out of two for the Warriors uh, Two out of two penalty attempts To the Roosters and one out of one for the Warriors 81% completion played 76% 31 out of 38 sets Played 32 out of 42 Three line breaks apiece 29 tackle busts paid 26, 6 offloads to 4, zero, uh, 1 forced dropout for the Warriors, 0 40 20s, 317 tackles played 339, 2 ruck infringements to zero two inside the 10s to 1, 9 penalties conceded by the Roosters, 8 by the Warriors, 8 errors to 11, Bradley made 42 tackles, Egan made 44, Tedesco made 153 metres and Fanua Blake made 146. Walker missed five tackles, made twenty-one. Sean Johnson missed four tackles and made eleven. Walker had eighty-one supercoach points. Fanua Blake with seventy-three and Tupu in sixty-six.
0: Um, Gumpy, the trucks just still feel frantic to you.
2: They're clunky. They're I don't just... know what it is. They're, it's frantic. It's clunky. Yeah. It's it's and and look at the moment. It's stemming from. Kiri, I just don't know that in six weeks he's provided too much at all. Like at the moment, it's coming through Sam Walker. Yeah. Um. And, and look, he's going to be my salute this week. I watched him closely this week, and I know he missed five tackles, but for his size, fuck, he's tough. He,
1: is, he, isn't he? he, he yeah.
2: gets in front of blokes and puts his head in, and, look, he's he's tough, and he'll be a first grader and a superstar for a long time, just for his toughness. Like, and when he I puts a step
1: that, on him, he steps and runs it forwards. He doesn't. Like, he's not yeah. trying to do it through the centres. No, nah,
2: he, yeah. he's undersold as to how good he is as a player, Sam Walker. Um, and Because at the moment, he in the halves is a lone wolf. I don't think yep, he's absolutely. doing much at all.
0: And the other um, the extension of that as well is they people that present Victor Radley as another Yoa Murray, he's just not. Yeah, not. he's good at what he does, but he's not Cameron Murray no. and he's not Isaiah Yo in the same situation. He's, well, Victor Radley,
2: over. I would be very surprised if he was picked for New South Wales if you were picking a team this week. No, I don't sense. see where Victor Radley would fit in the team if you're picking Yo yes. Murray and Jake T, yep. that I can't see Radley fitting in the team. And he's below those four. And, oh, and then
0: you can discuss, and you're then discussing Liam Martin, you're discussing Angus and you're Correct. discussing in, in terms of that Josh segment, Curran, Ola He's
2: not in the same postcode as Joe yeah. and Murray for the, what they provide for their teams. And look, I don't know that he will in terms of no, of that moving forward. No, but- he's got a
1: good sh- short pass, but that pass that links up with the outside men, it's slow. Yeah. yeah,
2: look, they're clunky and I don't know what it is, whether that's the way he's coaching them to just not peak yet or whatever, that's what people are saying, but I don't necessarily believe that that's the case. I thought the Warriors were pretty good in this game and, and I think that, again, their, their Warriors lapses probably cost them. Um, for, a few, for two 10-minute periods of the game, they probably went away and had they have not gone away in those 10-minute periods they probably nearly win the game. I don't think the Roosters were that much better. I thought it was, you know, if it went to golden point, it was probably fair in terms Mm. of, I thought, on checks and balances where both teams sort of stood. I thought Reese Walsh had showed his class and set up a a good try. Um, Fanua Blake is enormous through the middle for them. Josh Curran, again, had a good game. I think he made a few errors in that this game that were uncharacteristic for him. I don't know anyone over beat anybody else in the forwards I thought it was a probably a matchup that was even and again probably out wides where the Warriors probably fall away a little bit with with some errors and they've got some blokes in there that uh, a bit yeah a bit vanilla I don't know for, for want of a better term but um yeah I think the class of Sam Walker in the end probably gets the roosters over the line
1: I think I'd like to see him push um, Curran out to tell him to stay on the left, to be honest, because their right side's going pretty well with Johnson and um, Walsh coming back through the middle. And I think if Walsh was to link up with Johnson on the left, Johnson has to start playing both sides. He needs to push the half back out of the way because they're realistically not doing much. Um, Sean Johnson's the guy who is picking the right time to throw the inside ball or the long ball. And he needs to play both sides and get Reese Walsh as involved as possible. And Curran on on one edge and um, The other back row Or even Fanua Blake on the right hand side But their right hand side attack looks a lot Better than their left at the moment I thought it was a pretty entertaining game uh, The Warriors actually matched the forwards For the Roosters and probably dominated them For good po- portions of this game But as Gumpy said they got loose 10 minutes before half time and then 15 20 minutes in the second half They just faded away and did The Warriors thing that they do and that's the reason That they lost this game And um, there's some alarming things coming out of the Roosters. I haven't seen the Roosters get busted up the middle the way that they got busted here through Reece, Reece Walsh with inside balls and some of the forwards. Just like, how often do you see someone like, well, I know Fanua Blake does it to a lot of teams, but he did it two or three times and just rampaged over the middle defence of the Roosters and you don't see that. And um, to me, that's quite concerning. Their attack, there's nothing in their attack at the moment. It's Walker stepping back on the inside or... Throwing a short ball to somebody. But as soon as it gets out past the halfback, it's just push the ball to the edge and hope that the winger scores. There's no change of direction. There's no sleight of hand. There's no early kicks. There's It's just the same play over and it. over again.
2: We mentioned it with Manly, Barney. There's nobody straightening them. Like mm. the, mm. the the wingers for the Roosters will be lucky to score because they're over the sideline, like yeah, they get pushed to
1: the edge. Yeah.
2: There's there's no no one straightening the play up, Walker. I think, think's trying to, but generally that would be where but it's too early. Someone would do it, yeah. but it's yeah. But I mean that there's not there's no one really straightening the point of attack yeah. for them when they needs to be done
1: edge. on that five eight position around yes. the centers. They need to be straightening up there rather than they just push it to the sideline and gets pushed over the sideline. Yeah. Or Teddy stops on his run, does a 360 and runs back in the other direction. That's, that's, that's why it's happening. There's, there's no change of angles. There's no early kicks. There's no difference
0: in their attack once it gets out past the halfback. Um, I hate to say it, but it's, you um, know, just looking now, Joey Manu for the last two weeks, he's had the ball 11 times in this game.
1: Yeah, but have a look um, at his efforts. Like we've praised him on his efforts. They've generally been one on one efforts out that's of half. So or he's just the, run the, over the top of someone. Yeah, like, And
0: he's not but it I hate to say getting, they need to um good opportunities. They're almost gonna be better off and it'll never happen. Moving Walker to seven and Manu to six. Because Key like you said, Kiri's half in the way here and it just they just don't if it, it's like I'm trying to get the best way to describe. It. I think frantic's the best way, but it's like they don't actually with no one in control, all of a sudden three everyone to be in controlled. It's either either or, or none. So they're just is not offering problem? any yeah. other
1: opportunities. They're just yeah. it's just going straight to an edge, and you're never going to get around most NRL teams here going straight to a winner yeah. and hoping that they score in the corner.
2: But is you need to do problem? some other
1: stuff in the middle.
2: That they've got three people, That's, they don't yeah. have one voice running the team. Yeah, is mm. there is is and that probably is it when you look at it realistically that that could be the issue. That they have. That well, they look, the, have that look at the way
1: that the look at the way the Warriors scored their tries compared to the way the Roosters scored their tries in this game. There was a couple of tries there from the Warriors that looked like top shelf moves back inside, um, cutting back in on angles, beating the player, and then promoting the ball again on second phase play. And the Roosters just sort of barged over in a corner, or you know, somebody stepped back on the inside of somebody that was being lazy in the middle. So, yeah. Um, I thought Curran again was good, as was Egan. Walsh and Fenua Blake were the best for the Warriors. Radley and Crichton were the best Roosters forwards, but there wasn't much to say about the Roosters forwards in this game. And Teddy and Tupu were the best backs. And Walker was the difference. Walker was easily the best player in this, on this field. Ali?
3: Yeah, well, one player I'd like to highlight in particular is Reese Walsh. For someone who at the start of the year we all pretty much had pegged for a possible second year syndrome. He's nearly gone the other way and is getting a little bit underrated. He he's not sort of making headlines as he was last year. He's just doing his work and he's um having a great impact on his side. Gump brought it up before though speaking about Victor Radley and you know plays he'd have before him in terms of the impact they have on their side. If if you're going off of that, Josh Curran's like leaps and bounds ahead of him for what he does for his side. I'd say definitely Adam Fanua Blake was Adam Fanua Blake as well. Uh, he's just consistently putting up the big performances for the Warriors has done since he's been at the club. Someone I just wanted to mention because he is you know, the player that everyone has a bit of a microscope on. But I thought Joseph Sawali was good in his return to first grade. You can't really fault him. For anything, and to be honest, don't playing... think
0: you could really praise him though either. So. Yeah, he's but he's I mean, p- playing, yeah. he doesn't yeah. smash anyone, he backpedals a lot. I oh, know that's the setup they've got, but he felt yeah. like he was doing a lot of backpedaling defense. And yeah.
3: But I mean, pl- playing out on yeah. the wing where he was and the way that the Rooster sort of looked in attack, uh, he wasn't necessarily getting the world's best looks either to Absolutely. set the world alight. So, like, I'd, I'd say for, it's probably a tick in terms of a return. Oh, boy, yeah.
2: Like, yeah. How is he not a better player than Kevin
3: Nagama?
2: Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like seriously. And I know that he, uh, Robinson knows more than us, but how is Suali not yeah. a centre? Like, First game, back. They've, yeah. they've, I know. They've but spent but a lot of time looking
1: invested. after him. So,
2: Like, you've got to play in centre and put Nagama on the wing. Like, Nagama's a winger. That's Feels it. Feels
1: like a much better option, absolutely.
2: Well, who are we?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Done, Ollie? Yeah, I Good. think Gump, Gump summed it up pretty well 3 to Walker, 2 to Walsh, 1 to Fanua Blake I had the other way around but... Yeah, I'm happy to go Actually, we'll go the other way around Dragons 21, Knights 16 uh, In uh, Far from the best game of the weekend I'm pretty confident about that one What does say, Barn and Ollie? You can indulge us in uh, this Give me
1: one minute, mate We're going
0: to have to start again yep. um, Back to the All right Dragons game, David.
1: Yes. So we had Dragons 21, Knights 16, four tries to three, one out of four conversions for the Dragons, two out of three for the Knights. One out of one field goal attempts to the Dragons and one out of one penalty attempts to the Dragons. 87% completion played 75 for Newcastle. 36 out of 41 sets played 24 out of 32. Seven line breaks to six, 37 tackle busts to 50, 16 offloads to 21, 21. One forced dropout by the Knights, 0-40-20s, 281 tackles played, 376. Three ruck infringements against Newcastle, two inside the 10s against Newcastle. Two penalties conceded to four, six errors to 13. McCulloch with 37 tackles, Randall with 52. Excuse me, uh... Laurie with 182 running metres and Ponga with 240. Hunt missed seven tackles and made 12. Gay Guy missed seven tackles and made 13. Ponga with 122 super coach points. Clemmer with 94 and Fee Guy
0: with 92. Yeah, uh, you go. You still go, Ollie.
3: It's, um, it's good to see that Kalen Ponga still exists, at least. We obviously know he does because we hear about him every two minutes in the media, but when actually watching a game of football, it's good he to see. He can actually it. play a game of football. Yeah, he yeah. can. Uh, which is good to see because I thought he was pretty good last year and the couple of bad games he's had. Hopefully, he can shake it and get back to some consistent form. For the Dragons, uh, I feel like I say it every week one of, if not their biggest, positive was their two to five. Um, honestly, they just, it doesn't matter whether they're winning, losing, how they play, at least in attack, I'd say they're always consistent. And I'd say Jaden Sewer as well. Um, Probably his best game since joining the Dragons against South Sydney the other week. I'd say this is just about topped it or been at least around there. He had a really good outing, um, but out of the Dragons back five, there was one player who sort of let them down in terms of a an all round great performance. And I wonder who that person could be. Possibly the one who's been brought in for the for the um the much younger and at least more uh, promising player at this point and. That's Moses by sort of let them down there. So, I mean, Sloan won't be back next week purely because the Dragons won, but I still am very much for him getting back into this side, and I don't think the Dragons – they'll beat some teams, but unless he's in there, I, I don't think we'll see that added bit of Flair or X, X Factor um, that they'll need in many weeks. I thought that David Clemmer as well was solid for Newcastle, as was Chris Randall out of dummy half – but, yeah, Ponga was just, I wouldn't say it was one of his best performances because he's put on some pretty good performances, but I guess hopefully a return to form for him.
0: Yeah, I didn't think he was Cameron Munster by any means. So I thought he was well, the, okay.
3: No one was Cameron Munster. He was the
0: best player on this field. He was, he was, yes, but, he you know, he um, yeah, he was the best player on the field, I agree. But it still, to me, it felt like Newcastle were never going to win this game after a while. I reckon after half hour in it felt like they're never going to win and all their I, I, they've got no point of attack bar ponger which doesn't help him obviously uh don't tell me Jake Clifford's any good ollie uh, oh, I, I, no, 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 I, I need ball. to put
3: this to bed right now he had two good games in the first two rounds and I acknowledged he had two good games yeah I, that I, was I, it so that was I've not two, mentioned
0: him he since he used him early for this year uh and that was and then just looking now one of their one forward ran for more than 100 meters David Clemmer. They just—they're a bottom four team. We said they would be, and I think they've uh, shown to prove it. And the Dragons were a slightly better bottom four team. Do we have to say much more about this game?
1: It's pretty close. <laughs> Look, that's the I've
2: <laughs> well, like, what are we going to say? That, that, well, the only thing I want to mention was that St George actually, for the last fifteen minutes when they played well, I just want to point out that Amone played nine. Yep. For that yep. 15 minutes, made three good darts out of dummy half, all led to breaks being made and to the final try being scored was the break that Amon made out of dummy half.
1: 100%.
2: So, look, McCulloch, I know, scored the first try and had a decent game, but, you know, he's got to play these kids for the team that they've got. They're if- not going to win in the forwards any week. So he's—they've got to do something different. And I thought for the last fifteen minutes, when he came on and played nine, and he's not a nine, but he added some spark and he made a difference to and, the, to, to the result.
0: And to your point, I thought Feige was uh, Feignay, or however they pronounce it these days, yep. was the, probably the second best player yep. a, lot, a lot of that time. Uh, I will wrap up before I let you go, Bun. Um Josh McGuire was pretty good in his return. I thought he actually did a bit, of, yep. quite a bit of tough stuff. Um, a, yeah, definitely added a bit to this pack. Um I thought you are selling
1: probably Moses Suli a little bit short. I think a lot of Guy stuff actually came from Suli punching into the line and giving him um, a bit of a free reign down that left-hand side. Those two seem to have a bit of a combination there, which is something that the Dragons, the coach will probably drop one of them next week and <laughs> they won't play again for another six weeks. But we'll see what happens there. Um, it was a pretty entertaining game, but to be realistic, it came off the back of some really poor defense. From both teams. Um, the way the ball would go out to one edge and then come back to the middle and then bounce around in the middle and then go back to the other side of the field, that should never happen on a first-grade rugby league field. It should be shut down well and truly before it even comes back to the middle, and then once it gets back to the middle, it should not go to the other edge. But I don't know how many times in this game I saw the ball shoot from one side of the field back to the other side of the field because blokes just were bouncing out of tackles. First contact was poor from both teams. Um And as I mentioned earlier, the bottom teams, that's what you get. They don't shut the play down. They don't shut the ball down. Um, It sort of rolls on and it either becomes post-contact meters or the ball flops out the back and then goes down another edge and provides a scoring opportunity for the opposition. So uh, it it was a bit of a punish this game, to be honest. There were some really nice moments of ball movement, but as I mentioned, it came off the back of bad defense. I thought... Laurie and Maguire off the bench were probably the difference in this game. Um, The Dragons actually had a bench and the Knights didn't. Nobody that came off the bench for the Knights made any impact whatsoever. Um, Bellin was okay again. He's been okay since he's come back into the NRL. He's not setting the world on fire. There will be a time where he'll probably go on a run for three or four weeks where he gets back to close to his best, but we're still waiting at the moment. I'm sure Dragons fans are hoping that it comes sooner than later. I thought Frizzell and Clemmer were fantastic for the Knights and probably the only reason that they, they got as close as they did. Um, because they were the only two that really stood up in the middle and actually stopped the dragons on their roll through when they were on the on the front foot and rolling through the middle. Uh as I said, Meg got a lot more out of their bench. McCulloch was okay. Uh so they they Daniel Siafidi. I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on with this bloke. He was, an, he was a state of origin front rower last year, and he's nowhere near that at the moment. Um, you see there's a few good moments, but he's been a little bit disappointing for mine. And the Dragons' halves are way better than the Knights'. The Knights do not have a set of halves at the moment. They don't look like they've got anyone that can play half, and <laughs> there's nothing coming out of uh, out of their halves in good attacking position. And the centres for the Dragons were were good again. And Fee Guy, looks like a super serious uh, winger. Uh, you probably end up in the centres eventually, but. At the moment, with the footwork and speed that kid's got on the on the wing, he needs to stay there. So, Hook will pro- as I mentioned, we'll probably sack him this week.
3: <laughs> and slain won't slain <laughs> for him. He won't even be considered.
1: Jaggy already mentioned Ponga's the only point of attack in that team. And then you've got Gay Guy who's doing his best on one side. And um, Bradman Best, he's realistically a second-rower who's playing centre and needs to be put away for him to run past people and score tries. And they don't have anyone that's doing it. So... <laughs> they really need to work on their short ball playing um, and getting their second rowers and centers involved because they've got nothing else. The um, yeah, so I had three points to Ponga, two points to Sully and one point to Klemmer, but I'm happy to argue. Who
0: uh, cares? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> got anything to add? Anyone else?
3: Taggy's uh, just tell me to move on to the next game. Yeah, let's as he should on. be. We can
0: go on mute now. Uh, <laughs> I had someone down for one, but I can't remember it was. Yeah, it doesn't matter.
3: J- Jackson Hastings. He gets all the. Numbers. He gets all the points.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah. Let's just move on. Tigers twenty-one. Parramatta twenty. What did the stats say, David? We had four tries apiece. Two out of four conversions
1: for Parramatta. Two out of four for the Tigers. A missed field goal attempt by Parramatta and one out of one to the man, Jackson Hastings. 69% completion played 76%. 30 out of 43 sets played 26 out of 34 sets. Five lineback breaks apiece. 34 tackle busts played 33. 10 offloads to 16. Five force dropouts by Parramatta, two by the Tigers. 0 40 20s, 325 tackles played 338, three ruck infringements against the Tigers and an inside the 10 against the Tigers. Four penalties conceded to six, 15 errors to eight. Mahoney made 48 tackles, Twal with 46. Gutherson with 160 running metres and Twal with 166. Opechek missed five tackles and made 17. Gutherson missed three made three. Brooks missed six and made 30. And Laurie missed three and... Made three. Uh, the Super Cage points I'll have to get to because for, I didn't write them down for some reason.
0: Go ahead. I don't want to say now.
1: Someone? You
0: um, <laughs> want to talk about this game? Parramatta played like shit. Let's let's just preface all of this. With, this was a, <laughs> a very bad game from Parramatta. Uh, whether there was perhaps an element of underrating or whether it was just once the pumpkins went on for a few heads... They couldn't get him back off, but I thought Parramatta were very average um, despite the best efforts of uh, the refereeing on both sides. Can't say it was necessarily uh, in favour of either one, but it was a pretty poorly officiated game too. But um, the effort was there from the Tigers, and they got to be happy with most of that. And uh, it worked with Jackson Hastings running a show, which we've all been calling for since the start of the year. Uh, it's what they've needed for two years is a leader to actually Tell him where to go and push him around the park. That worked. Uh, Freed up Luke Brooks a bit. Who had a couple of nice touches. I'm not going to sit here and say they've saved his career, but um, his two tries were nice. (laughs) But uh, and and to be honest, he probably looked better. Which again, what we've been calling for is when he went to hooker. And if that's the plan, when still he's back, hey, happy days. Um, But yeah, Hastings was fantastic. Had a hand in most things, uh, especially when it needed to be in the last 25 minutes. Uh, Simpkins was pretty good Despite his 18 forward passes Uh, He wasn't too bad Much better than little has been the last couple of weeks Tamo had his best game for the club I thought He was um, very good uh, In that pack And Alex Twal was absolutely fantastic He was the only forward going forward in the last 25 minutes um, Because it just felt Tigers were cooked Let's be honest Tigers had nothing the last 20 minutes, they were gone, and the only blokes running forward were the the centers and Twile, who just kept plugging. So, I want to make sure I do wrap him. Luciano's trial was good. Uh, and uh, let's be honest, I think, and I, I was sort of thinking about this earlier, I've been a bit harsh on Junior Paulo this year, and I think if he plays Paramount, win and probably win well. Um, because they did miss a bit of direction there, but they weren't it was flash. Uh, Reed was good, Gutho. He still gets those bad gutho days where he gets cranky and stroppy and tries yeah. to do too much, gets in other people's ways. The um, key mistakes: Jordan Lane had a sloppy game. Their outside backs weren't sensational. Um, and we won a game, so, hey, I got to be happy for a night. Um, uh, Barney, give us some better analysis. Did you just say Jordan Lane? Anyway. What did I say? <laughs> I thought you said Jordan, but might, you might have said Jordan. He I might have. have said Shannon, <laughs> he might have said Jackson. who's Shannon Lane?
1: Like, Shannon Lane used to put. Anyway, doesn't matter. Move on. Shannon Noel. what? Yeah. Oh, decent game of footy. Uh, there's pretty tough and gritty performances there. There was the game when the game was on the line. It came down to the forwards that were willing to put in, and there wasn't a lot from either side. To be honest, um, Luciano did what he does. Um, I'd like to see him try to get a little bit more involved. To be honest, um, he sits on that one edge, and I I wouldn't mind to see him cut back in and go back through the middle and actually. Challenge the middle because he's got a decent offload as well. But, um, best game. I think he's ever played in the NRL. Uh, he was the leading meter reader. He was the leading tackle. He made 40 something, 44 tackles and didn't miss one. Yeah. Like I know his defense is always pretty good, but that was a top shelf performance and it closed down the middle where, um, is where Parramatta were trying to attack, uh, because they couldn't attack out wide. I don't know what the fuck was going on with Parramatta. They had that much time with the ball and in good field position in that first twenty minutes, thirty minutes of this game, that they should have been twenty in front. I thought at least at halftime. Um, Dylan Brown needs to stop trying to give the ball to Dylan Lane to ball play uh, to Dylan Lane. <laughs> I've just done it myself. To give the ball to fucking Sean Lane to try and ball play because that bloke cannot fucking throw a pass to save his life. He needs, he needs to come back into the front. Like he's a front rower. He's a great
2: for me this week. He is Sean a fucking Lane. front rower
1: because Sean Lane cannot pass the ball. He doesn't have the step. He just needs to get the ball and run straight at people because he, fucking, he doesn't have much else out on that edge, to be honest. And Gutherson spoils the party for Dylan Brown too, I think. Um, mm. He gives it to Gutherson to promote the ball to his outside men. I think he just half the time just needs to cut him out and fucking throw the pass himself. Because it'll be a better pass and it'll probably hit the winger in a better position where they need to be. Um, Gutherson sort of seems to hold the ball up and stutter step and it just takes all the emphasis out of the attack. Um, Moses, for mine, while he got a lot of raps for what he did, I thought he was quite poor at times. I thought he was actually a bit of a handbrake for the attacking side um,
0: when Parramatta were in good field position. And his kick choices in the last 20 were pretty poor as well. He didn't have—he
1: didn't. He didn't seem to have his head on properly, and realistically he got to the point where he either just put in a weird-looking kick or he gave the ball to Papalia and hoped that he crashed over on the edge. Uh, they seemed to be out of the answers for me. The Tigers' defence was fantastic. It's the best defence they've put up for probably close to 12 months. They, um, they got up in the faces of Parramatta and put them on the back foot. As you mentioned, they look a much better team with Jackson Hastings playing seven. It just gives more time to Brooks. He doesn't have to worry about it. He just catches the ball and does whatever he does once he gets the ball. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, another player who seems to be able to slow the play the ball down without affecting the attack. He he will either rush the line and make them make poor decisions or he seems to be able to hold it up and make the outside defenders question what's going on and they start going in and out and start to... Again, make poor decisions in defense. <laughs> um, what do you say? The Tigers' best performance of the year. If Parramatta was slightly better, they still move.
0: Yeah. Early?
3: I think you guys have summed this game up really well, to be honest. Uh, I guess a little bit of Credit I'd give to Parramatta would go to Regan Campbell-Gillard and probably Ryan Madison. Regan Campbell-Gillard's had one hell of a season so far, I think, and that at the very least didn't change here. And I thought coming off the bench, uh, Madison was immense as well. But other other than that, there wasn't really much going on for Parramatta. And the Tigers just like – although Parramatta did play poor, I thought the Tigers were at least good. Like, you you can't really take much away from the Tigers' performance in this one. They looked like a completely different team. I know they did make a few changes. I, I don't know. That obviously has some impact, but I think as well just the the attitude the team had coming into this game and the effort they put in shows and it paid off.
0: Jumping in debt?
2: Yeah, not really. Salute Demage. Like, he, he made the change. Um... I'm perplexed. Like, I don't, I don't get the Tigers. Like, the drums were beating that Madge was going to get the ass, And from all reports, the players don't want him there. And they come out and they do that when they – If why haven't they put in that effort for five weeks? One player doesn't make an increase in effort. They might get them around the field better, but – The effort was there. They ran hard. They tackled hard. Like Jackson Hastings didn't make them run and tackle hard. Like where's that been and why did it take the drums to beat for the coach to go before they did it? Like on that performance, and I know Parramatta were bad, but on that performance the Tigers will beat most teams that are around them when Dewey comes back and they play Brooks at nine. It's a fair spine. Hastings, Dewey, Brooks and Dane Laurie at fullback. It's a fair spine. They've got two edge back rowers that can attack. Stefano comes back in, gives them some go forward. Twiles in there. They're probably still a bit light on in the centres and and the wing. But, you know, if they put in their effort, they'll probably win more than they lose against teams that are around them on the ladder. But I'm not going to get excited because I want to see how they go this week. They play Souths. And I want to see how they go this week. Before I, I jump on the Tigers bandwagon, I'm glad they won. It's great they've had a win. Parramatta were, were poor, like really bad. And let's just see moving forward how it all pans out.
0: Yeah, no, and that's why I'm not obviously getting carried away, I think. But um, I, I think that's spot on. And, and I think one of the most frustrating plays was when Laurie went and put that hit on Guthrie. It was a kick chase – no one's kicked chase like that in the six games so far. Why did it Correct. take uh, well, five games and 66 minutes for someone to do that?
1: And he was still the only bloke down there, which is a bit concerning, to be honest, because if yeah, he
2: gets 100%. past him... Like, yeah. That's what's perplexing to me, Daggy, with it. Like, why this week? Like...
0: Anyway. No, I agree, I agree. It's why <laughs> we'll wait and see what this week brings, which uh you know and
2: Steve, your ass is like a hurricane. Yeah, like I'm a about line. to
0: get I'm about to get washed off the deck here, mm-hmm. so we might try and wrap this part of the show up. But um yeah. uh three well, I've, i I've guess you gotta give Hastings three points. I but I'm happy to give it to Twile to be honest. Two to Twil and then one to Nofaluma or Brooks, I suppose. I had Brooks. Yeah, let's give it to Brooks. Go let us get him on the board. Uh that rubs up. I just forgot to mention Penasini's best game in first grade. I thought he was very good for the Eels. Yeah. Uh, as I said, about to be washed off the deck here, so let's get to our salutes. Uh, let's do our brace first. Uh, you got one for us. You mentioned yours already, Gump.
2: <laughs> yep. Sean Lane. Terrible.
0: Yeah, I um. I, I didn't have one coming to the show, but the more I thought about it, uh, and God bless him, but... Charles Nickelcockstag wouldn't make it another first grade team as a fullback, literally not another one. He'd struggle, and uh, I think that's part of the part of the problem. So I'm going to give it to him, Oli.
3: Well, I can think of um, in terms of the current setup of the teams. One team that he might play fullback at, and that's at the Titans, because Jermaine Osako <laughs> is <the fourth laughs> yeah. the this week and Fair. for all eternity.
1: Um, oh, mine's Billy Walters um, He offers two-fifths of fuck all in attack And his defence is horrible um, Three-fifths
2: of fuck all in defence <laughs> And then
1: it's a hole there but He is just a hole They just run at him, um, especially at the back end of games When he starts to fatigue And he just can't tackle And he offers nothing in attack Just fucking get Ezra in there already, fucking Kevin Come on
0: And well, it's Tyson this week So we've got to get through another set before we yeah, get there That'll do. You he salute and slap just- Oliver
3: uh, my salute's actually going to go to <coughs> because I've spoken before about loving his vossisms, but in the Penrith Brisbane game this week, they just caught me. You know how you just get caught off guard and laugh at something you can't, you sort of can't help it, even though it's stupid. You do. <laughs> Vossy hit me about five times. I think one time in, in particular was when um, Jensen got hit hard in a tackle, and Vossy just goes, Oh, Jensen's been hit so hard he thinks he's back at the Cowboys. That's not good. And I, I like just little things like that and I think there was a big bomb put up at one point and he goes, "Oh, this is going to come down on Easter Saturday." It's just classic Vossy and no matter how bad rugby league gets, as long as Vossy's still doing his Vossy's. I think is, he um he pulled,
0: at one point he pulled up Michael Ennis and called him a cheat as well. He goes, "You're always a cheat." <laughs> <laughs> <He did. laughs> well, I think
3: Ennis actually said at one point, you're on fire tonight, and he was. So... And Hyde,
2: he said Heine should have smacked him out. So he mentioned <laughs> that Heine should
3: have given him a hiding. Um, I'd, 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 oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, well, the, the slap, the negative bit. I'm going to give my slap to Clint Gufferson because you brought it up, the hit that Dane Laurie put, it in, put on him. I think it was... Right after that, um, the mistake from the Tigers, Gutherson starts, you know, being an egotistical Parramatta player and talking down to him. They were losing. Parramatta were losing at the time to the Tigers and went on to lose the game. And it's one reason, and one of you blokes brought it up last year, is Parramatta are the easiest team to hate in the comp. But I now think they're sort of the easiest team to laugh at in some situations because while it's so annoying when they do shit like that, if they're going to do it while they're losing to still a bottom four team, it, it's laughable and delusional and he gets a big slap from me.
0: I agree with you. And it's funny because, as you guys know, I've been quite bullish on Parramatta, but then they just have these games and you just go, oh, that's right, it's Parramatta. And just <laughs> you just remember. I'll give my – I'm going to give my slap first – I the Raiders, like, they just disappeared, there's obviously issues there which, you know, don't get brought up I don't know, again, there's a, they're a team that needs some changes, I don't know where they're coming from, don't know where they're going, but to lose, to give up that lead, and without even a whimper, was, was pretty ordinary and uh, a double salute first of all, um, for that, that incredible analysis, Barney, that I'll put on Facebook tomorrow well done, <laughs> and uh, Alex Twile I thought it was tremendous uh, n- not a headline grabber, but Absolutely outstanding in that win. So I get to be happy for once and salute a Tigers player. Gump.
2: I'm gonna salute Frank the tank Talakai. I love him. He's my he's my new favorite player. And he just <laughs> he just runs hard and he tackles hard and he's just he's just and he seems like he's having fun too. He has a smile and he he made a mistake at one point. And he's just gone, oh fuck, and then sort of walked back into position and thought, I'll have another crack in a minute. And
1: and Got an offload of short um, pass, you know.
2: Yeah. He, he's having a crack, he's playing footy, and you know, I think it's, it's an advertisement for you know, people that he had a crack and you know, had a bit of a big head and had to go and work for a couple of years and has taken the he's made the most of his opportunity. So, I like that, you know, in a person. And I'm gonna, I'm sorry to be on the Raiders thing for slap, Elliot Whitehead. I think he, he might have passed him by, like, he's a bit of a Josh Reynolds at the moment running around like a headless chook. And he, I don't know, he knows what he's doing. He's very little impact in in the game. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with the Raiders, but he's generally good for them and, and has offered nothing.
0: What do you got, Barn? I've got a
1: slap for Sammy Valame, Uh For such a big explosive ball runner, the bloke's not interested in taking the ball up. <laughs> He's one of the biggest wingers in the comp, and he doesn't do the hard stuff out of his back end. Um, his defense is pretty poor at times, and um, his ball handling's pretty rubbish too at different times. During the, like, he's played probably one decent game this year, and that was the first one he got brought back into first grade. But he goes missing way too often for for such a big body that should be trucking the ball back out of his back end. And this, I can't go past Cameron Munster. I thought that's probably the best. Performance from a 5'8 that I've seen in a good
0: couple of years. Yep, fair call. I figured uh, everyone else would take him, so... Yeah, yeah, I I thought. Uh, Anyway, that's uh, our review show. If you've made it this far, give us a subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or Tune Radio, wherever you're listening. Uh, Well, thanks for sticking around this long. Uh, Follow us on all the socials. You can find us Twitter, Instagram... Facebook and YouTube. Check out rugbylegmerch.com for our shirts, hats and lots of other goodies. And we'll be back very shortly to look at round seven and uh, preview what's coming up for Anzac Day.